Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. For the Sunday that's after Mother's Day. Amen? All right. Now the scriptures, the word of the Lord. Luke 4, we will also be turning to 2 Timothy 2. The Bible says this, Luke 4 and 4, And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now skipping over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, 15. I told my wife this morning, they gave her a few verses. I said, that's not all of them. I said, I'm not going to give you all of them because uh, we're kind of doing some scripture walking today. I said, I think I have about 74 verses. It's been a long time since we had the screen, and I thought we really needed to just put it and prime it, but I didn't give them to her because I wasn't going to overwork her. She said, I don't know even if we can hold that many. I said, well, my Bible, no, my Bible does, you know. But nevertheless, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, the Bible says, Study to shew thyself approved unto, the Lord, unto God, Workmen that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. Unto all good works. Did I have the wrong something up there? Okay, I'm all right. Amen. It's just the way that it goes sometimes. Let's pray this morning again. Amen. The Lord would help us this morning as we look at the teaching of his word. And we're going to, our subject matter this morning is simply this, the word of God. The word of God. Lord, I come to you today. Lord, again, thank you, Jesus, for allowing us together to hear every individual, Lord Jesus, that is here this morning. I pray, God, that you would bless them, God, for their attendance and faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Minister to them now, God, through your word, God. It is powerful and it's full of strength, and we're thankful for it today. In Jesus' name that I pray, and the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated this morning. The word, the word of God. Is, is my subject matter this morning. And we have looked, we have looked at the subject matter of the Word of God uh, before. And if you're a part of church for any period of time, you're probably going to hear certain things hit on over and over again. But the Word that we hold in our hands this morning, this is a very precious book, the Word's of the Lord no book is any more amazing or shouldn't I should say be any more amazing uh, to us and definitely not any more powerful than the word of God the Bible amen uh, some uh, of the world would just consider the Bible in and of itself to be considered a work of literature but it is greatly more than just a work of literature if I could just quote a few people today concerning the word of God the first president of the United States, George Washington, said this. He said, it is impossible to righteously govern the world without God and the Bible. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, another notable United States president, said, he said, I believe that the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through the book, meaning the word 
of God. Also a man from history called Daniel Webster. He was a very uh, preeminent American spokesperson and legislator of his day. He said, if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. But if we and our posterity neglect its instructions and authority, no man can tell how suddenly a a catastrophic catastrophic event may overwhelm us and bury our glory in profound obscurity. Just a few more quotes from uh, these people of times gone by. Andrew Jackson, another U.S. president, he said, that book, sir, is the rock on which our republic stands. And lastly, Ronald Reagan of the presidency said, indeed, it is an indisputable fact that all the complex and horrendous questions confronting us at home and worldwide have their answer in that single book. Again, referring to the Word of God. Does anybody this morning just have a love for this book right here? A love for this book. And it's very important. The Bible is very important. We have heard uh, just a few voices from history uh, undergirding uh, their appreciation for the Word of God and how essential and important it was uh, to us by and large as a nation. However, whenever we look at the Word of God, uh, that concerning those of history, those were just the praises of men. Uh, But the Bible is vitally important to us as believers and as a church because, in fact, it is the absolute Word of God. I know we call call it, you know, just sometimes in past, well, that's the Word of God. But do you realize what you just said? Those are the words of God. And so whenever you need to hear God speak into your life, a good way to hear Him speak, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, you need a prophet Or at that time, you necessarily need someone to stand up and preach to you. If you open up the Bible, you'll hear God speaking to you because this is, in fact, His Word. And so we know, and we went through some of these things before, but I think it's good to go through them again from time to time. We know that the Word of God was penned by human agents. There were real men that penned the Word of God. But all of their pinning and all of their writing was under the divine authority of God himself. It was the divine inspiration of God that brought this about. God was anointing them. God was directing them. God was giving them the inspiration to do this. The Bible says, and again, these will not be, I didn't list those 74 up there. Just listen to me here today. Uh, 2 Peter 1 and verses 20 and 21, it says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And we've already made mention of Timothy, how all Scripture is given, amen, by inspiration of God. Hallelujah. So men of God wrote this holy book as they were inspired by the Holy Ghost. And I have oftentimes said that if you're going to read the Word of God, amen, it takes on a new light after you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That Holy Ghost is to be our teacher. It leads us and guides us into all things and so whenever you get the holy ghost it's like having the teacher with you the author if you will with you 
If there were certain parts of a uh, secular book that you were reading and you were having a hard time comprehending exactly what it was saying in a particular spot, uh, there's probably forms and bulletins and stuff. Everybody could give their opinion of what it would be, but there would be no opinion uh, any greater than if you had the author of the book to explain to you exactly what they were saying. And so whenever we have the Holy Ghost and we're looking at God's Word since it was inspired and people were moved upon by the Holy Ghost to write it, uh, I, I feel a little bit of a, 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 a mandate from heaven that I need a little bit of an inspiration of the Holy Ghost for my proper understanding of it. In a casual reading, you'll get a casual understanding. <laughs> But whenever you allow the Spirit to come upon you and you couple the reading of the Word with prayer, and you are reading then a book that's inspired by the Holy Ghost and you're getting understanding if you have received the Holy Ghost. But so the Bible is important and of great value because it is the absolute Word of God and men were inspired to write it. But it's also important because it is absolute truth. And those are two words you do not hear today. Absolute truth because by and large in the higher in the higher learning capacities of our world truth is subjective uh-huh truth is 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 subjective it can be toyed with uh no matter how long it's been true they believe that that can be changed or you you could call something green and say no that's yellow and there's uh, probably people today convincing a bunch of students somewhere that that leaf is yellow all right, because that's the way the world is right now with truth. There is no such thing as absolute truth. But the Word of God, I'm telling you, in, in a, a society that believes in no absolute truth per se, in some, the Word of God is absolute truth this morning. It's reliable. Has anybody ever relied on the Word of God? or depended upon the Word of God during a moment of trial in your own life? And so I, I have, and I've seen it work, and I've seen it be true. And I've seen it be dependable and reliable. And as a result of that, I have great confidence. Amen. Uh, it didn't have to gain my trust, but it got my trust. And so I have great confidence in the Word of God. The, the psalmist said in Psalms 119 and verse 160, he says, Thy Word is true from the beginning. I like that. From the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth for." Ever. The Bible also says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and this is just a portion of that verse, when you received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. Now why would that be the case? Have you ever had a man lie to you? <laughs> Have you ever had someone tell you in the back of your mind you were second guessing what they were talking about? Have you ever seen an infomercial? And this is the best product. It can cut right through stainless steel and it never has to be sharpened. You tell me if you're not thinking in the back of your mind, I am not sending in $20 even though I can get two for the price of one today if I call in the next 10 minutes. Amen. Is that right? So he's saying this word of God that you all received, he said you're not receiving it as you did the words of men. Why? Because evidently, uh, by and large, every generation in society has had bad things happen just by the words of men. He said, but you received it as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you 
that believe. The Bible is important then because of that. Because it is absolute truth. But the Bible is also important because it is unchanging. Amen. Have you ever opened up, if you ever opened up a book, you ever opened a book and look at the copyrights at the front? Huh? And sometimes you even see where they say revised such and such. Now, I know there's a lot of different versions today of the Bible and paraphrased versions, all that. But concerning its original intent of what it should be, amen, there have been no revisions or should not be, and I'm not talking about all these other I've seen there's the original manuscripts. They didn't go back and add a new Greek letter or a, a different word in the Hebrew. Uh, the manuscripts are what the manuscripts were. Amen. They are unchanging. And by and large, God's Word. What you, you, you never knew you could hold eternity in your hand, did you? But whenever you hold your Bible in your hand, you hold something eternal right within your hand, something that is everlasting. Whenever God spoke something, whenever God said something, what he says never disappears. It never dies. It is still in existence even now. The words that he spoke to Moses and Abraham that we read of in the Old Testament if we could somehow get the right frequency, they're still in our atmosphere right now. They are eternal words. The psalmist said in Psalms 119 and verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's settled in heaven. And I think about whenever uh, he spoke to Peter talking about his revelation of knowing that thou art the Christ, the Son, the living God there at Caesarea Philippi. Whenever Jesus said that upon this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he went on and told Peter, whatever you bind on earth, let it be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, let it be loosed in heaven. I wish we could loose on earth, amen, as it is in heaven, the settled word aspect. Amen. That we could loose that idea of a settled word down here upon the earth. Isaiah 40 and verse 8, the Bible says, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth. Right now they're blooming. Hallelujah. We're thankful for that. But the word of our God shall stand forever. So in other words, we have seasons with everything else. They grow up, they mature, they die, they deteriorate and go through the period of dormancy to come back to life. He said, but not my word. It doesn't go through a season of change. It's not vibrant one moment and then the next moment dilapidated or just covered up and taken in by the ground and seemingly not alive. No, it is alive and well and persists and consists as that. It does not pass away. It stands forever. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that heaven and earth shall pass away. He said, but my word shall not pass away. The Apostle Peter of 1 Peter 1.25, he said, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. This is durable. I know you might have to put a new cover on. I've wore a few covers out on my Bibles and had them rebound. Bishop took them for me. Got them rebound down in Evansville whenever I was evangelizing in particular. But that's just the material part of it, the spiritual part of it. It is very much so Durable. He says it endure forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Thank God for this. Because we understand New Testament scripture. That we were all begotten by the gospel. And he says this word is whereby the gospel was preached to you. Honey, we should love this thing then. Because the gospel, I was begotten by the gospel, but it was his word that brought the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
to me. Man, I don't want to forsake this. This is what brought me understanding of how to be born again. Of the water and of the Spirit of what I must need to do and enter to enter into heaven. This is a precious book, an honorable book. So it's important because it's unchanging and it's eternal. But it is also very important this morning because it gives us some answers. It gives us some instructions concerning different issues of life. Now, I am not going to stand up here and say, all right, and I might, maybe I'll go wrong here. I'm not going to say you can find every single answer in black and white right here. Because I believe answers a lot of times are like precepts. It's just black and white, very detailed. All right? But I do believe through God's Word, He has, if it's not a precept that's very detailed, then He paints with a broad brush and gives us principles. Mm-hmm. That can somehow be applied to the different issues of our life and supply answers. However, and I, you know me, guys, I love the book of Proverbs, all right? I love the book of Proverbs, and I give you, we've had water challenges, verse challenges. This is the book of Proverbs challenge. If you've never read the book of Proverbs from the first chapter to the 31st chapter, I command you to do so. (laughs) Felt good saying it. I don't know if it did anything. but. But the reason being... Whenever I got in a process of a steady diet of reading through the book of Proverbs month by month, it solved a lot of questions and problems that arises in everyday life, not of just my life, but of people that I served. As a matter of fact, in so much I started taking notes, and I have this little file that's called Church Problems. Not where I keep track of your problems, but where I have theoretical answers to problems that may arise that I derive from where? The book of Proverbs. Because it's so full of wealth and so full of wisdom. Amen. It tells us of our need for a Savior. The Bible says in Romans 5, verse number 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world. Who was that man? Who was that man that sin entered in by? Adam, thank you, dear. Appreciate you, love you. Amen. One man's sin, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You know what that just tells me? That we're all born sinners. And so it tells me, the word tells me then, if I'm a sinner, and, and God hates sin, and he doesn't like sin, that I'm in need of a Savior. Amen. The Bible tells me about God's love. For lost humanity, John 3, 16. Several could stand up and quote it right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It tells me about God's love. Amen. We need, amen, the word of God. By and large, folks, the reason why we need to stay so true to the word of God is because people need to know about these things. They need to know they're in need of a Savior. And they need to know, though, that there is a love of God that cannot be measured. It's limitless. That is for them. It tells me about what I need to do. Amen. As Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3 concerning salvation, being saved, Jesus answered, Verily, verily unto Nicodemus, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that's baptism, and of spirit, that's receiving the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I want a word like that. 
Amen. I need a word like that. It instructs me on how I should live the word of God. The word of God. Now, just if you will, a few facts about the word of God. Uh, This word that we hold that we call Bible, it comes from a Greek word, amen, which means book. I mean, that fits well. Call it Bible because its interpretation is book. Amen. And so it, it was also described as the Holy Scriptures. You know, many of you do, that the Old Testament was primarily written in the Hebrew and the New Testament in the Greek. Uh, and whenever the, the manuscripts, again, and I've said this in preaching and teaching before, but bring it to our minds again, the manuscripts did not have a division of chapters and verses. You know, we say, wouldn't, wouldn't it be a whole lot more difficult in church life? <laughs> If we're going to read from the book of Luke and say, please go to the book of Luke. And I just start reading. That'd be a little more difficult, wouldn't it? But it didn't have the divisions of chapters and verses that came later that chapters and verses was given. This is just historical fact. You know what the first book that was published or printed after the printing press was invented in 1450 AD? The first book that was ever to be printed on the printing press was your Bible, the Word of God. They were going to try out their new technology if there was anything they wanted printed. They said, we're going to print the Bible because before that time it was all hand copied. And now they could mass copy the Bible and get into the hands. And there was, if you go back with history, and I'm not getting history lessons. We have enough of those on Daniel, right? Amen. <laughs> getting no history lesson but you see a spurring of religion and re- religiosity if you will during that time frame because of a mass production that took place with the Bible it could actually get into the hands of people how many books are in this Bible 66 we got all of our Sunday school kids out there this morning thank you for coming today 66 books amen in the Bible a uh, little again this is stuff that sometimes is listed in some of your Bibles Psalms 119 it is the what longest chapter have you ever been doing a bread program where you read <laughs> where you read and it kind of gives you different chapters to read and lo and behold your eyes fall on Psalms 119 and you're like really We'll do this in the morning and in the afternoon and the evening time uh, to get through Psalms 119. So whenever you've seen Psalms 119, you went to Psalms 117 because it's the shortest chapter in the Bible. Say, God, I'm going to read my Bible today, Psalms 117. Hallelujah. You know some of y'all guilty of it. You needed to get Bible reading in that day and you knew some verses or you knew some chapters that were short and you went to them just so you could let God know, I read my Bible today, God. Uh-huh. The longest, it's good, it's right, isn't it? <laughs> We've all been there, folks. I'm, I, there's humanity standing right here. Prick me and I'll bleed. Amen. Esther 8 and verse 9 is the longest verse in the Bible. Which is the shortest verse in the Bible? Anybody got an idea? Jesus wept. by nowhere it's found? Who said that? I heard it, John eleven thirty-five, 35. Right here, man, right there getting knobs of Jesus at the, at the tomb of Lazarus. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Amen. Uh, is everybody having a good time this morning? Amen. Again, just some ideas. And these are things we spoke about, but we, I think it's good to rehearse this concerning the word of God. It's penned by 40 men, 40 men, dissimilar men, mind you, on three different continents, this word of God. 
spanning the time frame over about 1,500 years. And yet some of the things we read of two people that never knew each other, they're writing as though they talked to each other. They're writing, how is that possible? Because all these 40 dissimilar people are being inspired by one. It's His Word. The Word of God. And so they're being inspired. Look at the dissimilar lives of these people. We're talking at various scales here. It's not like they were all high class or they were all low class. They were scattered all over the place. Look at Moses, for instance. We understand that Pharaoh's daughter took him under her arm and, and, and that, that command of Pharaoh and the prince of Egypt, Moses was, in the palace of Pharaoh, educated by, if you will, the schools or the universities of Egypt. And yet we see him writing, Moses carefully writing, what about the first five books, the books of the law of the Old Testament. And then we see Peter. So here's Moses, a prince in a palace. And then there's the apostle Peter, a fisherman. And he's penning words. We have Amos and David, and they are herdsmen. They're herdsmen, or they're vine keepers, and more so Amos was. Joshua, a military general. And he's penning some words. Luke's a doctor. Amen. Solomon is a king. Matthew, he's a tax collector. Now you know God was inspiring something if a tax collector could write some of this stuff right here. <laughs> and an IRS agent that was writing something. Render to hindered Caesar that which is Caesar's. Amen. You know it was God. Paul, a rabbi. Written though in different locations. It's not like there was all at some little quaint desk somewhere in the room that they all went to. Moses, he's riding in the wilderness. Jeremiah, he was by and large in a dungeon as he was pinning the words. Daniel, he's writing from the hillsides. Amen. And in the palace, but not, remember, not at home. He's at Babylon while he's doing this. Paul, he's incarcerated. Chained. Some of it he's even dictating to another to write for him. And there's other times he says, with my own hand. You'll read even a scripture where he says, with my own hand. And so he's writing and wrote in prison. Luke, while he's traveling around, he's keeping, he's writing. John, John, Revelation, he's in exile on the isle called Patmos. He is the last Mohican of the disciples. He, he's out there on the isle somewhere. And he's in isolation. And yet God's inspiring him and he is writing. And David, through all his military campaigns, while his life was being sought for by King Saul, he's writing. And yet we bring all this into one book and you can read it from front to end. And it all intertwines and makes sense. See, many times, and we can, we can go to outside resources to validate God's word. But you know the awesome thing about God's word? God's Word validates God's Word. All you got to start to do is think about all these different writers, three different continents, 1,500 years span of time, and read it and go, wow! And then begin to look at all the different prophecies that are in the book that have already been spoken. And for instance, over 300 prophecies about the Messiah and the birth of Christ that was spoken in the Old Testament that came true exactly as they were. Honey, I don't have to have an outside source to validate this. His word validates his word. Amen. Someone say amen. Such great harmony here in the word of God. So, but there is, there, there's outside support. There is. And there's always uh, people that are, and if I can say this gingerly, but people that may be liberals that try to disprove the validity of it 
validity of it. They won't allow it to validate itself because they don't believe it anyway. And so they're looking for outside evidences, amen, to help. But there's, there's, there's even archaeology evidence that supports this word. I'm keeping track of my time here. I don't want to go over because I still set my timer for 45 minutes and that would be too long. <laughs> Smile. Amen. Dr. Bryant C. Wood, he's an archaeologist, and he says this. He says, in every instance where the findings of archaeology pertain to the biblical record, the archaeological evidence confirms, sometimes in detailed fashion, the historical accuracy of Scripture. He says, in those instances where the archaeological findings seem to be at variance with the Bible, all the discrepancy lies with the archaeological evidence. He says, for example, we've had improper interpretation or a lack of evidence. He says, but not so with the Bible. Do you understand what that man just said? He said, if there's ever a discrepancy, it's not the Bible that's to fault. He says, it's our research or the evidence that we had to contend with that is to fault. A.N. Sherwin White said, he's a classical historian at Oxford says the following concerning the book of Acts. He says for Acts, he says the confirmation of historicity is overwhelming. Any attempt to reject its basic historicity, even in matters of detail, he said must right now appear absurd. He said it's so true to its fact. To say that it's something else would be absolutely Absurd, And so then we have the prophecies again and again. It's the divine inspired word of God. The Bible in 2 Timothy 3.16 that we read in the beginning, it said it is the inspiration. It was given by inspiration of God. Everybody just take a breath. <sighs> Exhale. Because the word inspiration is translated from a Greek word which literally means God breathed. So all scripture is given by the inspiration or if I may the breath of God and if you think of it in terms of CPR if you think it in terms of God giving that first breath to that first man that he made from the ground where there would a mist that had came up on the ground and he breathed in that man and when he did it what the Bible says, became a living soul. Something about God's breath that imparts life. And so whenever we talk about the word of God, it being God breathed, it is God breathed, this is not a dead book. It's a, you sometimes hear the terminology, uh, the living Bible. Uh-huh. Well, it is just that. It is the living word of God because it is God breathed and just as his breath brought life to Adam his breath brought life to the words that he had those men pen all right it brought life unto them amen <clears throat> the Bible says in verse and going on a little further in verse number second Peter 1 verse 20 I've already read this but I want to go back to it now I'll come around to this phrase here for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man but holy men of God spake as they were everybody say moved moved by the Holy Ghost that word moved there means and it comes from the Greek it means literally means bear along, carry, move out of position, drive, impel. 
In other words, God's Spirit moved and compelled and inspired these ancient scribes, amen, to write the instruction of His words. They were not writing. We must, we must combat the idea. These men were not writing their words. They were writing God's words. They were not writing their words. They were writing God's words. And so the Bible is awesome because it is a source of spiritual riches for us this morning. The Bible is tremendous because it is a source of power. There's power in the Word. We remember the Scriptures where the Scripture says that He sent His Word and it what? Healed them. It is a powerful weapon. So much so that Jesus in His own earthly ministry may be common to some of us, but maybe not all. But during his testing, uh, otherwise known as the temptation of that 40-day interim of time in the wilderness, when he would come to him, turn these, these stones into bread, uh, go up to the pinnacle of the temple and, and cast yourself down. Your angels will bear you up. Fall down and worship me with all those allegations or all those temptings, if you will, and testings that the enemy put toward the Lord. We consistently see his response, for it is Written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Amen. And speaking about how the, 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 the heavens had given him already, uh, the angels had given charge over him that he would not even dash his foot against a stone. In each instance, he was using the word of God. And, that's, and folks, here's what we got to come down to. Jesus Christ used the word against the adversary in his wilderness. That's a pretty good example that if Jesus used the word in his wilderness of trial against the enemy, you have no greater weapon or no greater words to speak to your adversary in your wilderness and your trial tribulation than to use the word of God. Don't try to make deals with the adversary. Don't use your own words. Oh yeah, you know, don't, don't do any of that with Satan. Use God's word. You don't have anything to prove. It's already proved. Someone say amen. You, you, you don't have to somehow stand there and try to prove your relationship and prove where you stand in Christ. His words already just speak what's proved. You know, it's like it's like David telling Saul, hey, I can't take your armor into battle. I've not proved them. Well, folks, whenever you go out to battle with the enemy, don't try to wear anybody else's armor. Just take what's proven. Someone say hallelujah. And say, for it is written, when the enemy will come in like a flood, that the Spirit of the Lord will appraise a standard against him. For it is written, someone say amen, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God unto the pulling down of strongholds. For it is written, I will not leave you, neither will I forsake you, but I will be with you always, even until the end. For it is, I don't need any new tool. I got the proven word of God. Woo! Hey, hey. Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Woo!
Man, felt like the Word put on flesh there for a moment and came walking among us there. Hallelujah. Woo! Man, that's exciting. Hallelujah. Brother Mason, you can come since you have joined with us here this morning. Hallelujah. Thank God for His Word. Thank God for His Word. So I don't... Why do we do this? Why, why do you do this, Pastor? Why do you, why do you go back and you talk about just, just things like this? I tell you why. Because just like anything concerning our walk and experience with God, some of these things can just become so commonplace, so commonplace, so ordinary. That's my Bible. You know, yeah, I have time with it each day and I pick it up when I go to church. But understanding as soon as I grab that, I literally grabbed God's Whenever I'm reading it, I'm just reading, you know, black or maybe if you have red letter edition, red letters on a page. But whenever I read it, and if I would just truly concentrate just for a moment, Sister Margaret, and think, God is speaking to me. God, God is speaking to me. If I just go to that, that daily time of reading and just open my book and just say, God, what do you got to say to me? What do you got to say to me right now at this juncture in the road of, of where I am in life? What, what do you have? God, I, I need you to speak to me today. And it might not come in an audible voice in your prayer. It might come through the voice of His Word. Oh, let me tell you, folks, there's been times that I've opened this book, and it's a, I'm just awed at how God works. Because, I, I, you know, years ago I was just kind of, you know, just read here, read there, here a little and there a little. <laughs> uh, glory. Amen. But <laughs> I, I, I'm usually, by and large, for the most part, usually in some type of, I, I read in some type of program. They got all kinds of different Bible reading programs out there now, folks. Different regimens of, of readings. I'm usually always in some type of Bible reading program that's doing the Bible through and through and through in some, in, in whatever measure. And it's amazing. God cares enough about me, Sister Sheila that I can be in a Bible reading program and on just the day that I needed that certain part of God's Word, that morning or that evening or afternoon, whenever it may be that I may have that interchange and I'm going through whatever it may be I'm going through. Now, I started this program months before. How is it, Brother Malone, that at this day, this reading program, my life, come to an intersection and God speaks a word that clears up the confusion, that brings direction in the middle of my doubt. That's the power. It's the power of your God. That's the power of His word. Can we bow our heads in this place this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.